0: Thanks for joining us for Life Vineyard Church. Happy New Year if I haven't seen you yet this year. It's good to be with you guys. If we haven't met yet, my name is Dan. I'm one of the lead pastors here at Life. And special welcome to you guys online who are watching. I just want to let you know uh, we're doing communion today during the second worship set. So if you want to go find some juice and some bread or some wine, if you have it, uh, you can go do that and get that prepared for when we have communion together. Can I tell you guys that, uh, did you notice the awesome uh, announcement slides? I just, we, we lost our Photoshop s- uh, subscription this week, and I didn't feel like doing any uh, graphic design, so that's what you get sometimes when you run out of time. and um, So that's no one's fault but mine. So it's like a half apology that those look that way, um, but maybe they got your attention a little bit more, like, oh, what's, oh, what's, um, so yeah. But anyway, hey, um, you guys want to hear about third grade, Dan? No one asked, but I'm going to tell you about third grade, Dan. Um, I loved building forts. Forts, like, fulfilled me, right? Anybody else love building forts out there? Anybody still love building forts? Just, like, I see Rob's hand, like, he, that's what he does for a living. He builds things, right? Um, Forts, they're so fun. We built so many forts. We did like blanket forts, right? That's the basic fort. But then we were doing like wood forts with what we thought was scrap wood in the garage that probably wasn't really scrap wood, but who cares? So we built forts out of scrap wood. We uh, built snow forts, of course. We built forts, uh, we just dug a hole in the ground, like 50 feet down. At least that's what it seemed like to us. And we called that a fort. And that was, so we just built forts all the time. Um, but, you know, as much as we loved building forts, they actually never really fulfilled us because, friends, you know that forts are never really done, right? You can't finish a fort. No one builds, well, maybe you do, but we didn't. We didn't just build a fort and sit in it, right? Like, the fun of it was building the fort. There was always something else to add on, always something to do in your fort. Um, you know, I don't know about you, um, but being fulfilled in something is something that we're always seeking, right? If, if we weren't always seeking to be fulfilled by something, we wouldn't have commercials on TV. Like, there'd be no purpose. If we could be fulfilled by something, we'd buy that thing, we'd get that thing, and done. We wouldn't need anything else, right? Commercials wouldn't work on us. But, at best, those products, those experiences that we see. They only satisfy for a little while. And those are good things a lot of times. They only satisfy for a little while. But that's not the case with Jesus. So today we're starting a series called Fulfilled um, where we're going to discover together how we can be fulfilled by experiencing the good and kind God. As humans, we crave in our souls three things. Goodness, beauty, and kindness. If you were to describe someone who's lived life well, you would describe those three things in their life. You would see those, that beauty and kindness and goodness weaved throughout their lives in different ways, in different forms. And the reality is these are three realities of God's presence as well. But how often when someone asks us, you know, how we're doing Um, how our week was, how our day was. Do we really describe something good and beautiful and kind? That's not always something that we describe. We might say it's good, but we don't really describe anything that happened. Oftentimes, we're more prone to experience the ugly side, the, the opposite of that. Ugliness, evil, meanness. We experience the brokenness of the world, it seems, every day and every week. We live in a fractured world. If you look out your window, if you turn on your TV, you see that we live in a fractured world. And the world is searching for answers within itself. But they seem sometimes really difficult to find. We know there's good out there. We search and we ache for goodness that brings wholeness and fulfillment. We seek it across all the aspects of our lives. Uh, personally, in our families. We seek it in our friendships and in our workplaces. We seek it publicly through politics. Um, We seek it all throughout our lives, through race, even religion, at church. But too often, instead of experiencing goodness and love and beauty and kindness, we're met by hostility, impatience, judgment, hate, the lack of mercy, and a failure to love our fellow human. These fractures that we see in ourselves and existing around us, they leave us feeling broken, don't they? Because we realize that there's something more out there. There's wholeness to be had. There's beauty to be had more than what we're experiencing. And, and we feel that because we're not made for fractures. We're made for wholeness. We're made by love, for love, to love, by a beautiful, kind, and loving God. And that same God, he invites us to experience his love for us. And in doing so, instead of fractures, we experience God's wholeness. And instead of disconnect, we can enjoy communion with God. And we can enjoy communion with each other. Not just the communion that we do here, but like community with God, wholeness with God, completeness with God. And that's what this kind of communion celebrates, that we get to have that with God. Um, I lost my place, if you guys couldn't tell. And um, when the fulfillment of God's love is realized in our own lives... We are then able to live a life of love that brings communion, that brings connection, that brings healing, that brings wholeness to others, just as Jesus did. I want to show you this verse. Uh, Jesus tells us exactly why he came. He tells us exactly why he came in the Bible. This is in John 10.10. And um, the Bible is translated from Greek into English and other languages, And so we have a lot of different translations, a different way that you can translate this. So I'm going to read you five translations so you can kind of get this full painted picture of what Jesus was talking about. It will be up here on the screen as well. He says, I have come, this is Jesus, I have come that they may have life and have it to the full. My purpose is to give them a rich and satisfying life. Here's another one. I came that they may have life and have it abundantly. And the fourth one, I came so everyone would have life and have it fully. And lastly, I have come in order that they, that you might have life, life in all its fullness. One of the main truths that I hope that you get from this series over the next few weeks is that the path of Jesus' love is the way to have as Scripture says, life in all its fullness, or to have the fulfilled life. We all carry around the pain of brokenness, whether it's caused by things we've done or things that have been done to us. But what if this way of God's love was so redemptive that sin and brokenness didn't have the final word in our lives? And we could receive and give away God's fulfilling wholeness. I believe that there is a way, an ancient way, that is relevant to today where we can experience God and his wholeness and his beauty and his kindness and his love in our lives. Maybe... A more descriptive way to describe this is like living in the atmosphere of God's wholeness. That's the kind of life we can have. Like, have you ever, um, have you ever been to Six Flags or what, whatever amusement park, and they got those misters, right? They got those misters on a super hot day, and you just like want to sit in it because it's super hot, and you're just being cooled down. It's like that atmosphere of being in that mister where like God's all around. It permeates everything, and it's just refreshing and good. This is like what God's wholeness is on the uh, to the nth degree of what we can experience in our lives. You know about this, uh, Rich Volotis, uh Let me show you his book. This this uh, this whole sermon series over the next few weeks is based on this book and of course the Bible, um, but it's inspired by this and. So we're kind of going through it little by little. And we're just going to pull out some truths in it and share them with you. And if you want to get this book, follow along with us. It's called Good, Beautiful, and Kind, Becoming Whole in a Fractured World. So you can read ahead and you can be like, Oh, whoa! I see Liz and Dan got that from from this part of the book. Um, So feel free to do that. It's a good book to read to follow along with us. But I want to read this quote out of here. He says, Wholeness... Healing and love are found in the ancient path of Jesus. Jesus offers a way of being human that is powerful enough to tear down the walls of hostility we have grown accustomed to. His gospel gives us a vision of living well. It's a soul healing, enemy reconciling, truth-telling, Justice-embodying, sin-conquering vision. And it's one we cannot live without. This isn't just something that we can walk into without intention. To live in the ways of God's wholeness and goodness and beauty and kindness and love is no small task. In fact, I'll tell you right now that to live this way is impossible without intention. God working in our lives. This way of life is only possible when we allow God to work through and in us. So we're going to spend January and February leaning uh, into this concept and learning this fulfilling way of life from the good and beautiful and kind God. So we're going to journey together through, we're going to divide this up into three sections. And the first section is um, how this way, this goodness, this beauty, this love has been taken from us. That's the first. The second section, we will um, we'll discover how we can form this in us, or how, more accurately, God forms this in us. And then lastly, we'll learn how we can embody this and pass it on, this life of wholeness to other people as Jesus did. So for the rest of my time today, I'm just going to focus on the kind love of God, And what happens when that's missing from our lives? I want to show you this Peanuts cartoon that I saw this Christmas. Um, I know it's hard to read, so I'll read it for you. So Lucy says, Merry Christmas, Charlie Brown! At this time of year, I think we should put aside all our differences and try to be kind. Isn't that nice? And Charlie Brown says, Why does it have to be for just this time of year? Why can't it be all year round? And Lucy says, What are you, some kind of fanatic or something? Doesn't that describe us over the last couple weeks, perhaps? Maybe you identify with that. Like, over the last couple weeks, you have had your peak kindness of the year. Or you've had the most patience you've had with some difficult family. Or you are the most loving you're ever going to be for the next 330 days. Like, you've reached your peak, you're done, you're taking a break for a while. Of course, I'm exaggerating, but... Sometimes there are seasons in our lives when we find it really easy to love others. Or we have more motivation to love others and we let that come out. We work hard on it. And other seasons, as we all know, it's really difficult. Like when that same person says, can't we just be kind to each other? And then they pull the metaphorical football from underneath you every time. And the comic so often does. Sometimes it's really difficult to love. The Bible has a lot to say about love. If you've ever been to church before, um, you've probably heard a message on love, or at least I hope you have. That would be a really good thing. And um, you know, Jesus teaches a lot on love too. A good amount of his teachings have to do, at the core of them, have to do with love. So we're going to look at this one found in Matthew 22, verse 34. If you've got your Bibles, you can turn there or a device, you can uh, look that up. I'll be reading from the NLT version, Matthew 22:34, 34. And just to give you a little bit of background, um, Jesus is talking to some Pharisees. These are religious leaders of their day. They had religious power. They also had political power. Um, and they were often at odds with Jesus. We won't dive too deep into that today, but just so you know the context of who he's talking to. He says, but, uh, oh, this is narrative. But when the Pharisees heard that he had silenced the Sadducees, these are other religious leaders, they, were, uh, they didn't like each other either, uh, with his reply, they met together to question him again. One of them, an expert in religious law, tried to trap him with this question. Teacher, which is the most important commandment in the law of Moses? Jesus replied, you must love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, and all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. The second is equally important. Love your neighbor as yourself. The entire law and all the demands of the prophets, that's like the Bible for us, are based on these two commandments. When Jesus was asked, what is the greatest commandment? He gave a straight answer, which is unusual for Jesus. If you read the Bible, you'll see that Jesus often responds with, uh, maybe a question for the person who asked him a question to make them think about it a little bit more. Or her, he'll uh, respond with a story, like a parable, like the great, uh, the, great uh, the good Samaritan. He responds with a story when someone asks him a question. But here, he leaves nothing to chance. He, he's frank and he is clear. He says the greatest commandment is love. The first greatest commandment is to love God. And the other first greatest commandment is to love others. You see, there's not a first and a second place commandment here. Jesus says that they are equal. They are both of most importance. Because if you're loving God, you're also loving people. And he says this so much so that all Scripture is built on these two commandments. Everything we read in the Bible, has its roots in love. Loving God and loving others. That word based that we read right there, the entire law and all the demands of the prophets are based, translated literally, that word is hangs. Um, So we could say the entire law and all the demands of the prophets hangs on these two commandments. Kind of like these TVs right here, right? These TVs are hanging from the ceiling. They've got a mount and they... They hang from the ceiling. What would they be if they didn't hang on something? They'd just be sitting on the floor right over there, maybe face up, and no one would be able to see my amazing announcement slides that, were, that everybody just loved. You guys would miss that today, or more practically, you'd, uh, you wouldn't be able to follow along with the worship songs. I wouldn't be able to. I don't have these memorized. They'd basically with, be without function. They'd be useless. They'd have no purpose. And that's what Jesus is trying to get across here, that we can follow every scripture to the T, so perfectly. But without love, that faith has no function. To know what life looks like with love, we have to do the not fun work of looking at life, what life looks like without love. So Jesus is telling us that all scripture is based on love. It's the most important thing. So we could also look at what a life of, void of love looks like. If this love is so important to Jesus, then at its core, sin is a failure to love. Sin is a failure to love. We don't often associate sin with love. I've often described uh, sin as any way we turn our backs on God. Or more traditionally, um, we hear it said that like, God has these rules. He's written out these rules. Do this, do this, do this. Don't do this, don't do this, don't do this. And if you break one of those rules, you're sinning. And while that's true, all of those sins have their roots in a failure to love. You know, Jesus tells this other story where he's giving us a picture of a man who follows the law really well, who follows all the rules really well, like better than you or I probably ever do. Yet he has no love. And Jesus wants to teach us something about that. This is found in Luke 18. Jesus told this story to some who had great confidence in their own righteousness. In other words, they thought they were really good at following God's law and scorned everyone else. He says, Two men went to the temple to pray. One was a Pharisee, and the other was a despised tax collector. They're the scum of the earth. They were the scum of the earth back then. No one liked them. If you're a tax collector, i got nothing against you. You're good in my book. Um, The Pharisee stood by himself and prayed this prayer. I thank you, God, that I am not like other people. Thank you that I'm not like other people, cheaters, sinners, adulterers. I'm certainly not like that tax collector. I fast twice a week and I give a tenth of my income. But the tax collector stood at a distance and dared not even lift his eyes to heaven as he prayed. Instead, he beat his chest in sorrow saying, Oh God, be merciful to me for I am a sinner. This is Jesus talking. I tell you, this sinner, not the Pharisee, returned home justified before god for those who exalt themselves will be humbled and those who humble themselves will be exalted this pharisee this guy his core issue was a lack of humility right his pride though is clearly born from a failure to love like look at how he compares himself in this prayer to what he who he calls sinners his heart posture uh, could have been a lot different if he chose to love those people instead. If he loved the cheaters and the sinners and the adulterers and the tax collector, his heart would have been a lot different. As I was writing this section, I realized my own sin. Like, I can, I can pass right over this scripture, right? I can pass right over, I say, oh, pff, I've never prayed anything like that. I've never been like that Pharisee. I've never prayed against people like that or thought I was better in a prayer. But really, I mean, how many of us have scrolled social media this week and thought, oh gosh, I can't believe they posted that. Or I can't believe they believe that thing. Or maybe we had an interaction, especially maybe with family over the holidays, where we thought, really? Yikes, get your life together, make better choices. Those thoughts are more common than we care to admit. Just this week, I found myself failing to love another pastor that I hardly know. I was just talking to somebody else, and they were telling me about their pastor and what he does on uh, what he does during this service. And I was like, I thought, oh wow, that's no way to run your church. That's that's not going to help anybody, you know. And it turns out. As I thought about that, I'm a whole lot closer to this Pharisee than I realize. Essentially, I was saying, just like the Pharisee, Oh God, thank you that I'm not like that, Pastor. Right? I found myself in that place. My heart posture was the same as this Pharisee. Just like that Pharisee, I am guilty of a failure to love others. Even people that are just like me, you know? Being a righteous person, doing the right things, it gets us nowhere if we're not following the greatest commandment of loving God and loving others. You know, the Pharisees wondered what the greatest commandment was. I think it's fair to also wonder what the greatest sin is the greatest way that we can turn our backs on God. Let's say Jesus, when he was asked, what's the greatest commandment? What if he said, one of the other 10 commandments, he said, uh, what if, this he didn't, but what if he said, uh, don't murder is the greatest commandment? We could all agree that murdering would be the greatest sin, right? So if we look at Jesus' words, we can see that the, the greatest sin is a failure to love. And we can also say that all sin is based on it hangs on, is rooted in a failure to love. When we fail to love, we miss out on the the fulfilled life that God has for us. The fulfilled life, listen to this, the fulfilled life comes not from being righteous or by following rules, but the fulfilled life is measured by a life of love. The fulfilled life is measured by a life of love. St. Augustine, he said this, Humanity is incurvatus in se. Translated, that means humanity is curved in on itself. We have this natural lean towards self. I don't know how you can lean towards yourself. I don't know if that's possible, but it, humans have figured it out. We know how to lean towards ourselves and we become internal and selfish. And if we aren't intentional about living a life of selflessness as modeled by Jesus, we turn inward. Our focus can become our security or our comfort, our status in life. Our, you can just fill in your own blank there. What does your focus become when you're turned in on yourself? We are so naturally bent towards a life curved in on ourselves that even when we try to live a righteous life, do the right things in and of ourselves, we can end up with a life that's curved in on us instead of reaching out towards love, whether that's uh, vertically towards God's love or horizontally towards others. I mean, how many pastors... How many church leaders just in the last few years have you heard about or experienced that seem like they're pursuing righteousness? They were doing all the right things. People were coming to know Jesus under their leadership. They were helping the homeless. They were bringing people to Jesus. They were doing whatever you think a pastor should do. And it comes out that it turns out that internally they're curved in on themselves. They've committed the greatest sin of a failure to love. A failure to love God or others or both. To love is the greatest commandment. The rest of scripture hangs on this. And yet sometimes the people in my profession, in my field, they miss it. And they fail to love. In a room this size, even this small, we don't have a huge church. I would not be surprised, even a little bit, if a few of you have experienced this from a church leader. And I don't know how much I have the right to say this. I just want to say sorry if you've been hurt by a church leader. I want to say sorry on behalf of pastors and ministers and church leaders. I'm sorry that, that the person That was supposed to show you God's greatest commandment, love. Showed you the opposite of that. And you experienced hurt through that. And I want you to know that Jesus grieves that. That was not a part of his plan for your life. That was not a part of his plan. Jesus grieves that. He grieves your hurt. He grieves the brokenness that you have from those church leaders. And I'm sorry. And my prayer for you is that you would find wholeness again. That, that brokenness could be healed. Um, I want to make this real. We won't do it now. Here's what we can do. After we worship, when it's, when we have prayer time, we'll have the regular prayer team over here. But I'll be standing over here. Um. And if that's you, if you've experienced brokenness from a church leader, I would just love to pray for you. I would like to pray for wholeness. I don't. Um, I know that I can't fully apologize for someone who's who's hurt you, but I just I can pray for you. I want to pray for wholeness. So if you would be so bold to to come up after church, I'll be standing here, and and I just want to pray for you. And. I, sometimes if you're online sometimes the online people you can feel like you're not a part of this but you hundred percent are so you can send me a Facebook message I see those messages on Facebook you can email me at Dan at I'll just call you we can pray together. Um, now of course spiritual leaders aren't the only people that hurt people right there's plenty we've all we all hurt people All relational brokenness stems out of a out of a failure. To love. You can look at anything. You can look at a divided family, conflict in family, a failure to love. Countries at war, that's a failure to love. The divisiveness of politics, that's a failure to love. Or just a good old fashioned neighborly conflict, a good old fashioned fence fight, right? It's just a failure to love our neighbor. All these fractures. And brokenness from these self, they come from our self-seeking lives that neglect love. As I said before, it is impossible to live a life of love in and of ourselves. That's why all this brokenness in the world exists. That's why it's here. So what's the antidote? What's the hope? Where do we go from here? There's good news in this. The good news is that we can't solve this on our own. And that the God of the universe wants to be a part of solving this with us. He wants to be the way that these things get resolved, the way that wholeness comes. God wants to be a part of that. The good news is that the kingdom of God has come near in Jesus Christ. And that through his life and his death and his resurrection and through his power, sin and death no longer have the final word in our lives. The brokenness of sin no longer has the final word. Jesus is our perfect example of love. And when we live with him, we receive that love as a part of living life with him in our daily lives. We receive it, and then we receive so much we can just give it away. No one's ever run out of Jesus' love. Raise your hand if you've run out of Jesus' love before. Okay, great. <laughs> um, that was an easy point to make. We, we can't run out. We can always just give it away. This is the good news that frees us from being curved in on ourselves. Knowing we can't bear it, Jesus took our sin on his shoulders. And then he gives us the Holy Spirit so we can live lives of power in love. You cannot live the greatest commandments of love on your own. We need Jesus' loving power to work through us. And if you're here today and you can't point back to a time in your life where you've said yes to Jesus' love, I'm going to say a prayer here in just a second. And if you just follow along with that prayer with me, just in your own heart, make it your own. You don't have to say the same things that I say. Make it your own. Um, You can say, God, I want your love. And you can live life with his love and with him, with you. So if you just pray with me for a moment, and if you want to say this prayer, just follow along in your own heart And pray something like this. Jesus, today I say yes to your love. I may not fully get it. I may not fully understand. But in the best way that I know how, I say yes to your love. I know that you died on the cross for my sin. But that you forgave that sin. And you conquered that sin three days later when you rose again. And so Jesus, I'm sorry for the ways that I've turned my back on you. I'm sorry for the ways that I've failed to love. But, God, I receive your forgiveness in my life. I understand you forgive me. So, Jesus, today I say yes to following you. Yes to your ways. Yes to bringing wholeness to a broken world. Amen. If you said a prayer like that, would you let me know? You can let me know after service. If you're online, you can go to lifemohammed.org slash and you can fill a little form there, I'll see it. And then if you do that for me, I would love to just be praying for you this week. Um, you're starting this new journey of living life with God's love, and I would love uh, just to pray for you as you start that journey, so let me know. Now, um, at this point, what do, what do all the YouTubers say at the end of their videos? Do you guys know, what? Are the, what are, young people, what do YouTubers say? Like and subscribe! And then they point to the subscribe button, right? This is where, if I was on YouTube, I would say like and subscribe for the rest of this series, because today we have just began a little sliver. Remember, this is, today was how uh, hope and wholeness has been taken from us, and um, that'll be next week as well a little bit. And then we'll go into um, how to make this practical in our lives, and then how to embody it in our lives so we've got a lot more to say so like and subscribe so I want to offer you a challenge a new year's resolution if you will um, to be here over the next nine weeks you've already made it on week one you did it great job I want to I want to ask you to commit to be here the next eight weeks to finish this out to hear the whole thing to like and subscribe hit the bell do they say anything else oh share the video yeah you can share uh share it so I, I invite you to make a New Year's resolution to be here over the next nine weeks. Don't miss out on the rest of this series. And one more thing. If you're already like, oh yeah, I come to church every week. That's great. Easy. Done. I want to challenge you up one more and say, like, start taking notes on this. Or get the book and highlight it and go through it with us. Um, You don't have to take notes on me, I know I'm not the best speaker here, but when Liz preaches and when Greg preaches in two weeks, like, get your notes out, take some notes, this is going to be great stuff. So um, make that a part of starting this year off, um, looking and seeking to be fulfilled, not through the stuff we see on TV, but through experiencing the way of a good and kind God. Let's pray together and then we'll uh, sing together and we'll worship. Jesus, we thank you that you're a good and kind God. That you put beauty in our lives. That you love us and you care about us. That we That you just care about love so much. Like even... Even when we fall short, there's forgiveness for us. We know we all fail to love and you forgive us because of your love. You give us this perfect example of how to love. Jesus, as we go forward, we ask that our lives would be lives um, with an atmosphere of your love. That people would be near us and say, wow, something's different there. I want, I want what that person has. God, fill us with your love. Fill us with your wholeness. We ask for the brokenness in our lives that you would heal and you would bring goodness to, and that you would make beautiful things out of broken things. Jesus, we love you. Thank you for who you are. Amen. At Life in Your Church, we want you to experience the life-changing presence of God. We'd love to have you join our community. We meet every Sunday in Muhammad, Illinois. To find out more, go to lifevineyard.org. lifevineyard.org.